Hey, everybody. My name is Justin Murphy, and this is my podcast. It's called Other Life because it's where I talk about all the things I don't get to talk about in normal life. So if you're into it, you should definitely subscribe. And if you'd like to talk to other people interested in what I'm interested in, or ask me questions or request future topics or guests, please just follow the link in the show notes. Finally, I just want to give a huge thanks to all the donors and patrons. I could not keep this podcast running without financial backers, so I'm very grateful. And I would just say that if you enjoy this podcast or my blog or my videos, please do consider signing up to give a little bit of money each month. It would really help me grow out this project, and it would mean a lot to me. So thanks a lot. Now on to the podcast. Over and out. All right, Mark, how are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Mike. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, yeah, you're calling in from Australia, is it? Yeah, Brisbane, Australia. Excellent, Brisbane. That's okay. We got some movement upstairs, but no big deal. Oh no, it's fine. Thanks, Ben. So, Mark, thanks for coming to hang out with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. You and I have been talking for some time on the internet, so uh, we're no stranger to each other. We are going to talk about your new piece, uh, which looks at kind of the data science of the YouTube algorithm changes that have been controversial recently. But um, I thought the way we might start this is by, well, first of all, I'll ask you a little bit about yourself. And then I think we'll talk about the kind of the lo- the, the larger narrative that's emerging in people's minds about YouTube. And, you know, there's a kind of a popular wisdom around the, the political implications of YouTube, specifically how it tends to radicalize people. And uh, I believe that your research over the past few months uh, paints a very different uh, picture. So we'll get into that. But first, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself to the audience a little bit and tell us like, what's your background and uh, how did you get into this analyzing YouTube data stuff? Um, well, my background is in software engineering. Um, I've been quite interested in like reading books, not like old philosophy, just general nonfiction on psychology or economics, things like that. I'm in a book club when we talk about ideas a lot. Um, one that I read was really influential was Jonathan Haidt, The Righteous Mind, and that kind of purple-pilled me. So I, I felt I was very aware of kind of left-wing uh, purity mm-hmm. and, and sensitive to that and also the kind of the narratives that you get in mainstream media that all seems to confirm the same thing. So I'm, I was like, skeptical about YouTube radicalization from the beginning because it's kind of like there's a lot of when it comes to new technologies a reaction which is to find like anything negative you can about it and certain stories that stick go on I could tell that no one had actually really looked at the question was YouTube radicalizing people Mm -hmm. there was a report that came out a few months ago, right? That I think it was in Data and Society was the name of the journal, right? Um, and if correct me if I'm wrong, you probably have a, a better memory of how this narrative unfolds. But my memory is that that article in Data and Society was really the moment in which this narrative really kind of got implanted in a lot of heads. From then on, everyone just seems to be talking about and assuming that this algorithm that YouTube uses to sort and distribute its videos has a kind of built-in radicalization effect, specifically or especially in the kind of radical right-wing direction. This idea, now people say this everywhere. Like You can just hear or read people basically invoking this uh, 
almost everywhere. It seems like it's it went from, you know, uh, a kind of niche idea to kind of the dominant conventional wisdom about how the YouTube algorithm works. Is that fair to say? I mean, is, is that your impression also? Yeah, I, I hear it everywhere. Um, people say it and assuming everyone else has already heard of it and that you all agree, that's the kind of tone when people invoke rabbit hole theory. It's right. like that. Yeah, that's a nice phrase for it, rabbit hole theory. Right. And so am I am I right in understanding your work in, in that you believe this rabbit hole theory is essentially wrong? Is that right? Yeah, but I'm not going to say I've definitively proven it wrong. Okay. I think there's other reasons to be skeptical of it. Uh, I have dispelled just a few myths. They're just not not the main one yet. I don't feel like I've debunked it. I wouldn't go that far. Okay. I appreciate your modesty and your kind of epistemological humility. But why don't we start um, unpacking this this conversation? And, and could you tell us why you are very skeptical of this narrative? It was the way it was being argued. It, it sounds like a moral panic more than a theory when people talk about it. So often people use anecdotes. So in terms of YouTube recommendations, people will just use examples of terrible recommendations to as the reason why it's bad and that it could be radicalizing. And to them, that's enough. They don't need to show that um, there's a flow of recommendations in that direction. Um, there's been a more recent study after the Data and Society report, which is more uh, analytical, which does show a flow in terms of comments in that direction. But it doesn't show it in, they don't look at anyone going any other direction. So my analogy for what they showed was um, if you're worried about people flying to New Zealand and you're, you're saying that planes are they're flying lots and lots of people, thousands of people every day to New Zealand and not looking at departures from New Zealand, that would be the equivalent. Hmm. And it's just obvious things like that that I can tell uh, the people looking at this, they're not really actually inquisitive about finding out whether that's the case. Right. So just to make it crystal clear for anyone listening to this who's maybe never heard of this stuff yet, the, I, the basic idea we're talking about here, which everyone seems to be utterly convinced of now that they just take it for granted is that if you, let's say you've never been on YouTube before and you log into YouTube for the very first time and you start watching videos about a particular political topic, let's say, you know, you name it, let's say you want to learn about Trump's border wall or something like that. So for the first time ever being on YouTube, you type in, you know, Trump's border wall. You might watch a CNN video, then maybe there might be a Fox News video. But if you watch three videos, four videos, five videos, just following the recommendations that YouTube's algorithm provides you, then, you know, five videos later or 10 videos later, you are going to be in the radical right wing depths of the uh, political YouTube niches that are te- that are spewing all kinds of hateful radical right wing stuff like Right, white nationalism and conspiracy theories and all this kind of stuff. That's that's what Mark has been calling the the rabbit hole theory. And I I would I would say that there are probably a few other reasons why we might be skeptical of this also, Mark, right? Like maybe we can just kind of uh brainstorm some of them real quick. One is that YouTube knows that most people are not interested in extreme ideas. That's almost a tautology. You know, most people are going to have moderate ideas 
And only a small number of people are really going to be very interested in an extreme, uh, you know, extreme ideas. This is literally uh, a kind of tautology for the most part. So in some sense, uh, just on the face of it, it would be kind of strange if YouTube really wanted to push all people into uh, crazy fringe niches of which there's not nearly as much kind of popular attention or popular interest. It actually is plausible or it stands to reason that the opposite would be true so that if I log on to YouTube for the first time and I'm trying to figure out, you know, I search something like 9-11 truther theory or something like that. It seems more plausible that five videos later or 10 videos later, I'm going, YouTube is going to have me encountering CNN or Fox news. If only because there's a, a much larger volume of kind of normal mainstream moderate content out there. And that's what most people think is true. So it's at least as plausible that YouTube would have an algorithm that is actually channeling people towards the center because it's kind of statistically more likely that the average viewer, if you don't know anything about the average person who just logged on to YouTube, there's a random person who just logged on and you don't know anything else about them. YouTube algorithm has to wager that most likely they're normal people with moderate uh, preferences. So if anything, you would imagine the algorithm to have a kind of built-in tendency towards the middle because that's where the most content yeah. is and that's where the most people are going to want to be, right? So this is just to give you some examples of like that when you actually start to think this through, the rabbit hole theory, um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense or at least it's far from obvious. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, to still about them a little bit, it's it, you could make the case that it's it's more you're more exposed to radical ideas than other mediums. So if you compare it to TV news or newspapers, um, books talking about politics, you could argue that um, you get more exposed to more conspiracies or fringe ideas through YouTube compared to them. Mm-hmm. I think that's more that's that's more reasonable. I haven't seen anyone try to quantify that though, so it's just speculation. That makes sense to me. I I would buy that argument. Like I think from my own experience on YouTube, it seems anecdotally true to me that of all of the kind of contemporary spaces of media production across the board, the the place you're most likely to encounter like a proper white nationalist is YouTube. There's just not that many other places where there are people who actually are speaking in favor of white nationalism. It's almost like impossible to find in any other media, but you log into YouTube and, you know, in, in the chat here, for instance, there's plenty, you're going to find one or two people um, <laughs> like actually interested in that. And so, yes, relative to other media forms, YouTube has a, a weird kind of uh, predilection for some fringe right-wing stuff, but that's quite apart from the algorithm, right? Yeah. And the algorithm, like you're saying that it is probably more likely to promote centrist views. I just modify that slightly. Um, or maybe I'll explain like the recommendation yeah. system. Please, please do. A good way to a good way to start with it. You've probably all noticed it on lots of different products. So if you go to Amazon, people who like this product also bought this, and that's basically the basics of any of these recommendation systems. And then they've got lots of stuff on top of that, which is more special. Um, what they've said about it is that they they favor more recent popular content so they explicitly said on top of that normal kind of recommendation they're more likely to favor popular videos 
And Pew did a study a couple of years ago looking at if you just follow all the recommendations, where do you end up? And you end up in very, just very milquetoast music videos, unwrapping presents, mm. the most popular videos, not the fringe videos. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would not surprise me if that was the same in politics. In fact, that more recent study that's in preprint that I was talking about, they're only looking at one direction. They they looked at, um, they did a random walk of recommendations starting at like alt-right channels. And within six steps, close to 0% of the walkers were still in alt-right. So the recommendations lead away from the fringe for sure, even even from the data from the people looking to show that it goes the other way. Okay, so there's already been published research that contradicts the rabbit hole theory. It's in preprint. I see. And you have to look at their charts to see it because they don't call it out in the text. <laughs> so, I mean, trying to be charitable to the rabbit hole theory, like, do you, do you see any way of restating the theory that could be correct? Hmm. No, no, I don't think it's a radicalizer. Um, I could say that it's probably less. I could say that if you think of like information as a diet, it's kind of like candy floss. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. you're probably better off listening to podcasts or reading books. You get higher quality information, Mm -hmm. whereas YouTube, it tends to be more, emotion and reaction than it is a s- serious ideas. Mm. Okay. I mean, I guess it's plausible that there are some people who go onto YouTube and they are actually people who quite like the radical right wing conspiracy theory stuff. And let's call it like a latent preference that they have. Maybe they don't know it when they log on. So they're watching some milk toast centrist stuff. But then, you know, through randomness, they see one kind of, you know, right wing conspiracy video. They like it. Then they kind of look for more. And then before you know it, their recommendations are filled with kind of right wing conspiracy stuff. But it's not that the algorithm is pushing anyone into that. It's like the the algorithm, the algorithm is trying to give everyone whatever they like, trying to give them more of whatever they like. And so that might be some people. um, But it's not the algorithm. The algorithm doesn't necessarily have that bias. Yeah. And it's also changing all the time. So there was a time maybe a few years ago where the machine learning algorithm was getting trained on whether people clicked videos, but not whether they finished watching them, which definitely promoted more uh, clickbaity kind of thumbnails. Mm-hmm. And so now it's based on, I think, I don't know precisely, but on the amount of time watching the video as well as surveys. So sometimes they ask you how much you liked the video you just watched. So it's a bit more, that's gone down a bit. And also now with their more recent changes, they actively classify channels as um, conspiracy and then just don't recommend them. Right. That's the other thing that YouTube is pretty much on the record now as actively trying to, kind of push people away from the conspiracy stuff. So the idea that the algorithm is pushing people into these radicalizing rabbit holes kind of is just all the more implausible given that the recent changes are, and we can get into this, right? That the the recent changes that 
now they're actively prioritizing mainstream media sources on the channel, on the YouTube, and they're downgrading these right-wing fringe conspiracy channels, right? So it's like with the most recent changes, which you've analyzed, it's even less likely now, right? It's even less plausible that this, um, you know, kind of radical right-wing rabbit hole theory is, is true, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. So, okay. So we'll get into all of the, the details and we'll kind of do a deep dive into the data and talk about what you're finding. But I'm kind of curious, do you, uh, do you see any way in which this rabbit hole theory actually gets defeated and, and kind of dies down in, in the popular culture? Because, you know, false ideas, when they, when they, when they, when they take hold, they're hard to, they're hard to get rid of, you know, false ideas die hard once, once they're clinging on. So, uh, do you see this idea just kind of sticking around for who knows how long? Yeah, I think so. I can't think of any, if I could, I would do it. If I, if I knew what to do to stop it, I would do that. Right. Well, you are, you're doing your, your damn best, I think, to, uh, kind of get the, get the real data driven story out about how this algorithm works and doesn't work. Um, it is kind of interesting to think about like why, why this idea of the rabbit hole theory is so attractive. You know, I guess it does serve kind of political purposes, like the journalists who are kind of pushing this. Uh, it's a kind of, as you said, Mark, it's a moral panic. It kind of, you know, it, it allows these kind of left-leaning journalists, often left-leaning, typically left-leaning journalists, right, to uh, have this kind of great threat. You know, the YouTube algorithm is this like uh, fascinating, troubling kind of technological monster that is taking our youth and uh, sucking them in and then spitting them out as like little David Duke wannabes. You know, this is like the yeah. image that, I guess it's like a very kind of tantalizingly bad, dangerous, troubling image. And uh, I guess like journalists kind of love that sort of thing. They, they do. And I think even more than normal. So they already have like a reason to have a negativity bias and to exaggerate these kind of things. But this is doubly so because if you're a mainstream journalist, you're actually worried about new media, like selfishly. It might not even be conscious. You, you see it as a threat to you and mm. the people. You, you see yourself as like a part of sense-making gatekeeping. You're keeping people informed for the sake of democracy. Like, you know, the, the Washington Post, uh, democracy dies in darkness, and they're helping uh, give people the truth and make sense of things. And they see YouTube as a threat to that and that it's – they. Um, they, I bet they believe it too, is that YouTube is just full of misinformation and they wish people would just listen to them instead. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Like if you're someone, say you're a journalist for like Slate.com or something like that. Let's say you're Jamel Bowie. He's going to be my new punching bag because he's one of these blue checkmark journalists who uh, basically retweeted my uh, Greta Thunberg tweet and basically sent them sent the mobs after me. He's, he's one. Uh, Brianna Wu is the other one. So those two names are going to be my go-to names for kind of like sad loser blue check uh, types of people. Uh, so yeah, if you're someone like Jamel Bowie and you're like looking at all these, this army, this massive army of independent content creators on YouTube saying the wildest variety of ideas from the left and the right or whatever. And people are watching it and people are kind of slowly moving away from slate.com. Like a slate's kind of boring. I'd rather, I'd much rather watch this crazy interesting content that's kind of tailor-made for my personal preferences and personality type on youtube yeah you're right mark it does kind of make sense you you're going to naturally sort of see this whole youtube thing as like the 
there's something rot. There must be something rotten, you know, because it's essentially, it is essentially at its core threatening the your basic livelihood in some sense. If you have a kind of paycheck that's based on your kind of status in the in some sort of institutional hierarchy of like traditional broadcast media. So yeah, that's a that's a really good point. So okay, cool. So I think we're we're making some progress, kind of diagnosing this this popular conventional wisdom and why it doesn't make so much sense. But what let's let's now uh, go into a somewhat more positive mode and try to uh, kind of tease out, Mark, what you have found. Like, what are the patterns that you do think are uh, you know observed in in the data from an objective perspective? And we've we've pulled up some of the tabs uh, for your recent article and for your web app that kind of tries to summarize a lot of this data. So, yep. Mark, do you want to maybe just walk us through? Uh, well, we can we can we can start wherever you'd like. Where do you think is the best to start? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll start from, I might debunk a few of the common myths that I think I have debunked. Excellent. One is um, there's a myth that YouTube is mainly right-wing and it's true that it's more right-wing than newspapers, but in terms of views, it's almost uh, like double the views for left-wing channels and right-wing channels. Okay. So in terms of all everyone who's watching YouTube on a daily basis, the amount of left-wing content being consumed by the public is about twice as much as the right-wing content? Yeah. So there's way more right-wing channels, but they just don't get the same amount of views as like a lot of the mainstream left ones. Okay. So especially um, really popular ones, uh, the late-night comedy shows that get quite political, like almost mostly political. Um, they so like get Stephen a serious Colbert, number of views. Trevor Noah. Yeah. 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 But even if you eliminate them, it's there's still more left-wing views just from mainstream news and, and popular independent left-wing news as well. Okay. Interesting. Um, that's one myth. That's one myth. Um, the other myth is uh, that YouTube recommendations help right-wing channels. The recommendations are actually quite neutral. So if you look at um, recommendations versus the size of the channels that are being recommended, it's pretty close to even. I don't think YouTube's got an explicit bias in the algorithm that leads one way or another in terms of left and right. Okay, that makes sense because you, you'd you have to figure, I mean, it, it should go go without saying, but if it's not obvious to people, with overwhelming likelihood, the algorithm is optimizing for profit, right? Because YouTube is a, is a business, they're competitive, they have to essentially maximize profit. So it's really hard for them to deviate from that. It's not like they could really afford no kind of successful competitive enterprise can afford to just indulge in political biases. Like it can't just say, Oh, it wants to really start boosting those right wingers at the cost of other people. They need to do whatever is optimal, right. From a market perspective. And that is naturally going to be, they want to, provide more left-wing content to people who are left-wing and they want to provide right-wing content to people who are right-wing, but all the algorithm really is probably trying to do is give more content to everyone based on what everyone likes, you know, differently. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, yeah. When you think about it that way, it's kind of hard to imagine that YouTube would be doing anything else. Right. I think there's a myth that exists on like with Breitbart and Project Mm -hmm. Veritas 
that uh, the employees of Google are out to get right wing, and it's essentially a political project for them. And I don't think that's true. I think I think this shows that that's uh, that's a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. But it's also people on the left that think that it helps the right wing, and they they are kind of scandalized by the amount of recommendations they see towards right wing. I guess coming from the mainstream bubble, which is very left. In comparison, YouTube feels like it's more right-wing relatively, so they think that it has a right-wing bias that way. Right. Okay. So on the whole, your data suggests to you that the recommendation engine is uh, ideologically balanced. Yep. Okay. Yep. What other what other myths would you like to debunk? Um, I think that's those are the main ones. Um. Uh, I guess a truth a truth is that it is bubbly. So if you look at, um, I've got a visualization that shows the channels, and it kind of plots them in space based on uh, it puts them closer together if they've got more re- recommendations to each other, and you can see how they cluster together. So it's definitely true that it exaggerates um, ideological tribes. So it already puts them. So this isn't in the article. This is in the the visualization. Oh, okay, we have that up too. If you tell, if you yeah, want to tell cool. us how to get to it, yeah, that's it. Okay. So, so you can see. So explain what we're cl- looking at. Let people understand what's going on here. Yeah. So on the left hand side of that screen, each each circle you see there is a channel, and it's sized according to the number of views. You can hover over them. Mm-hmm. And right, then so here we have the next news network. And then CNN, what's the big red one? That's Fox, Fox News. Okay, Fox right, got it. So red is right and blue is left, is that right? Yeah, and purple is centrist or heterodox. Okay, cool. And you can see the lines connecting them. They're like uh, recommendation pathways. Okay, cool. And the dots are placed basically using physics, so they're attracted to each other if they're recommended. recommended. So but, Joe, Joe Rogan here is coded as right wing. No, it should be purple, which is center. Oh, it looks red, but okay. I could be, oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Right, purple, sorry. Um, yeah. Right, got it, got it. So he's mostly actually over, but he's closer to the red, all the other little red dots. He is. So like the IDW types are actually quite close to a lot of right wing channels. They're closer to them than they are to the mainstream left. Right. Which is that big that big cluster of blue down the bottom? I think is the com- comedy, and if you go further up, that's more the mainstream news. So it's interesting because it looks like what people are thinking of as a left versus right divide is actually it looks more like a kind of elite mainstream versus populist uh, grassroots divide. In some yeah. sense, yeah, that's what because I see. all of the big all of the big left accounts are essentially just mainstream late night TV shows and stuff like that. That's right. And if you completely ignore the ideology and you just look, where's the area with the tightest cluster of dots, it's, it's left wing channel. So they have the bit, they have the tightest bubble out of everyone. Right. So what that means then is if I like to watch Trevor Noah clips on YouTube, then there's an extremely high probability that it's only going to recommend to me, Jimmy Kimmel clips and and other kind of late night left wing mainstream clips, right? Yep. And that's going to be like a very tight kind of recommendation circle. Whereas if you like to listen to Joe Rogan clips on YouTube, 
then you could feasibly get recommended any number of different things afterwards with um you know quite a lot of diversity is that the right that's right yeah right. the um the i guess i'll give my centrist award to philip defranco he's like the purple dot just right in the middle okay he straddles the divide really well well yeah because he's like the most bland generic type of personality right <laughs> who like he, he kind of right i mean i don't know that much about him and no disrespect but he, he kind of is this like very kind of saccharine like smiley nice guy who doesn't really like take political positions right i mean he's He's like a very generic, bland kind of personality, isn't he? I think he, he, he's a really good milk toast centrist. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like if you wanted, if you wanted, if you're in court and you wanted the reasonable person to decide, like you just get Philip DeFranco. Got it. And that's, and I guess that's depicted here in the graph, isn't it? Yeah. Interesting. Right. Okay. Uh, interesting groups here. Like there's like a bunch of reds on the other side of the blue divide. Uh-huh. They're like your deep state kind of libertarian anti-government conspiracy theory type channels over there. Right. Like Daily Mail. (laughs) Oh, like, um, um, no, I see in the far right report. Yeah. So those are the ones that are that cluster that you're pointing to now. They're the ones that lost their recommendations recently. Yeah. Yeah. These are the ones who got screwed recently in the crackdown. Right. So, Okay. Is there anything else from this high-level view of the network graph? Is there anything else you would draw our, our attention to? Well, I just talked briefly to the right-hand graph, and that's showing the flow of recommendations. So it's not particularly interesting. That's kind of showing the neutrality of it. So the fact that the bars end up about the same size means that the algorithm is fairly neutral. Mm. Okay. I see. Interesting. Okay. So... All right, so let's talk about the recent changes. What what what's the what's the the big finding as of late for you? Because you've been tracking this data for a long time, and you have a kind of database built up where yep. every time the algorithm changes, you can kind of track it in your data. So what's going on now? So in April, they made a fairly big change. It's basically, I think they took a while to implement the changes they announced back in January, and. Um, they do what they said they would do. So they now promote more authoritative sources and they've clamped down on conspiracy channels. So um, like a lot of the deep state QAnon style conspiracy channels, they no longer get recommendations. It's pretty much down to zero. Wow. Yeah. And, that's really going to convince the QAnon fans that there's nothing sketchy going on <laughs> under the hood. Yeah. Their, their favorite, their favorite, you know, political theorist QAnon suddenly disappears gets kicked off youtube in one fell swoop yeah that's gonna totally just make them uh you know wrap up their wrap up their their whole story and go home yeah okay oh uh shoot my battery's dying hang on (laughs) sorry everyone i gotta plug in a new battery okay sorry this happened last time too i gotta figure something out Do you have an AC adapter for that? Um, Yeah, they have one of those, but I've read that it's a bad thing to do because it can, like, overheat the camera. It's all good. All right. Sorry about that, folks. Um, Right. Okay, so basically all these deep state conspiracy channels. Now, are they – they're just not getting recommendations anymore? Or or are they – it's fine, I think. It looks right. Are are they – like, are they are they shriveling to nothing and kind of like dying down or do they still get some traffic 
It's just they're not getting recommendations anymore. It's just the recommendations. I haven't seen, I've noticed their views going down because they still have their subscribers. Um, but right. the influence will be, I, I think it, I think the recommendation system is influential. So they'll definitely have less views than they would have otherwise with this change. Right. Right. So yeah, the, this is probably worth clarifying. Like when we talk about the YouTube algorithm, there are different algorithms for, there are different functions, right? So there's the recommendation algorithm. And just to pin this down, Mark, when you talk about the recommendation algorithm, are you talking about the videos get that get popped up at the completion of a video? Yes. Yes. Right. So there's also the home screen, which I think is a separate, this is a separate algorithm, right? So when you log into YouTube, when you log into your account, there is a, a a landing screen, a home screen that has a bunch of videos suggested to you. And that's algorithmically produced, obviously. There's not like some person somewhere deciding who's who, you know, who's who's gonna be shown to you. But specifically when you talk about recommendations, you're talking about when you finish a video, new videos pop up for you to possibly watch. And so you're not talking that's about right. the home, you're not you're not analyzing the home screen, is that right? No, I, I think the algorithm's the same one. But no, I don't have I don't get collect any data. Well, it's not available to me to collect the home screen. Right. Well, the algorithm might be the same one. I'm just pointing out that it's slightly different what we're talking yep. about here. Yeah. It's also the uh if you put YouTube on autoplay, it's what will play next is the first recommendation. Right. Okay. Got it. Got yep. it. So that that's good. That's just kind of uh, zeroing in on what we're what we're talking here. That's right. So, so okay, the so other, go on. The so other- yeah. So apart from that, they also seem to be recommending just in general more mainstream news sources as opposed to more independent ones. It's not particularly uniform, but it's a large, if you look at just mainstream news versus the rest of uh, YouTube, it's gone from around like 55% at the beginning of this year or the first half of the year to after April, it's up to about 70%. That's in your recent article, right? That's in the article. So say that statistic one more time. So in terms of mainstream news, like Mm -hmm. Fox or CNN, stuff that's made for TV or cable and then republished to YouTube, Mm -hmm. that alone now gets 70% of all recommendations. Really? Any any other type of YouTube channel that Mm -hmm. they're getting in news and and politics. Hmm. Um, And that's up from 55% before this change just this year. Okay, so they used to recommend about about half of everything they recommended used to be mainstream news clips, and now it's more than 70%. Yeah, so it's that chart that's up there now. Shows that. Yeah, so that's what we're looking at here. And, it, and it's clearly a sudden change, right? And that's right when the algorithm, that was a planned announced algorithm change, right? Yeah, they didn't announce this particular one, but they announced these changes in, earlier in the year, like January or February. But oh, really? I didn't see I didn't see these changes until April actually take effect. Okay, but it's clear that something changed very suddenly. Yeah, unless I've made some massive mistake, which I don't think I have, because it, it does match. I've corroborated what I'm seeing with some of the independent creators because they get the metrics on their channels, uh-huh. and it does tend to coincide. Interesting. And are they, do you think that the algorithm is very sensitive to content within the video or audio? Like, do you think the algorithm is scanning 
the content and making decisions like, oh, this contains, you know, curse words, so it's going to get downgraded, or this contains mentions of taboo topics, so it's going to get downgraded, or do you, are you not sure or agnostic? Uh, I'm happy to speculate. I think they've got their basic algorithm, which doesn't. It's mainly based on what the patterns of behavior that people are watching. But on top of that, their moderation, their monetization, they've got algorithms that do get flagged by words um, just as a separate layer on top of that, just a separate system. Right. They certainly have the capacity because they they automatically generate subtitles also. So, yeah, they're definitely – they definitely have the data. There's nothing stopping them from doing kind of algorithmic and you probably, updating. You probably noticed like, like certain videos of yours will get demonetized based on the topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that is just purely based on, that is based on the content. Yeah, this is how you get people like Phil DeFranco, who are like this like very generic smiley kind of uh, <laughs> like like very strangely bland smiley type of personality because you people realize that, right? Like that's why you t- get this type of YouTube personality because that's essentially the type of content and personality that is least likely to get demonetized. So when you I, see someone... I, act, I, yeah. And I doubt any... I don't know if I haven't heard, I don't actually watch Phil DeFranco, but I'll be surprised if anything he does gets demonetized, even if he uses the same words. Cause I imagine once you get a large channel, they will whitelist you. Right. Yeah. You got like a devoted like account manager. So you have like a person you can call at YouTube. Unfortunately, I'm not quite there with my 3,800 subscribers, <laughs> but, uh, Hey, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so okay cool so what else have you learned from your recent analysis mark um they haven't really changed their favor in terms of left and right so the changes don't really impact that but they it has impacted some of the far right so i was worried um there was an article after they announced the changes in cnet about how they basically removed all recommendations to people that were listed in the alternative influence report, mm-hmm. which the study you were talking about, and includes like a a variety of channels, anywhere from like fairly centrist types like Sam Harris or Joe Rogan to like far right types. And the idea that they were the centrist types are just encouraging people towards that pathway. Um mm. From that report, they were they thought that YouTube actually removed recommendations just to the people on the list. So they re, they thought that they reacted to that report by just um, removing all recommendations. But I didn't see in my data and looking at what they said in the report, they thought that um, Joe Rogan was getting like a certain portion. I can't remember the figures, like seven percent of all recommendations from YouTube. Okay, and I think. This might be a misconception as well. YouTube politics is tiny compared to YouTube videos of other things. Like it doesn't really even register. So if you look at a chart, you couldn't even see the bar. It's that, that tiny. So to say that um, Joe Rogan will be getting 7% of all YouTube recommendations is just absurd. So Yeah, that makes I no think, sense, right? Uh, yeah. So I don't know what the mistake was. So go back. But to yeah, I, I didn't see it. So we're looking at this graph that looks at, no, down, that one, yeah. So this looks at winners and losers, right? So 
from the from the algorithm change in April, the biggest winner is Fox News. Is that right? And the biggest loser down at the bottom is ABC News. ABC News, yeah. So that's um, a little strange. A lo- Why do you think ABC News didn't didn't get to join the privileged like mainstream media club? Um, I'm not sure. Like, I did look at ABC. Like one thing to just be take this with a grain of salt. It's kind of like stocks. There's a lot of noise. So you, sure. you're not necessarily seeing patterns and consistent patterns just by looking at these individual cases. Um, one thing, ABC did have a rise before that period that I was comparing. Right. So it, it could just be noise. Um, I, don't, I can't think of a reason why they would have been um, reduced. I looked at, even looked at ABC's views and it didn't really change that much. I thought maybe they stopped making content or they reduced it. Oh, right. That like that. Be, yeah, but maybe that. they just decided to move away from the their investment in YouTube. So it looks like JR Eclipse uh, was a pretty big loser. Do you, I yeah, mean, I've got yeah, – I didn't go put ahead. this in the article, but I've got a suspicion that they, they made main channels more favored over secondary channels. So if there's clips or someone's got a secondary streaming channel like Tim Pool does, mm-hmm. I think they've – they've re- decreased recommendations to those at the same time as increasing to their main channel and they kind of cancel each other out. Okay. Or maybe they're like uh, penalizing duplicate content more or something. Yeah, it could know. be. Yeah. Well, that would be like a case for clips, right. but Tim Pool actually has sec- like additional content on his secondary channel. I see. So it looks like people like Tim Pool and uh, Joe Rogan, uh, benefited, but not much. Mm. I mean, that could just be like natural growth between the new period and the last period, or who knows what. But okay, interesting. So, uh, kind of zooming back out, then, Mark, uh, looking at this from a higher level, like, are there other kind of key takeaways that you would really urge people to be aware of? Um, no, I think those are the those are the key takeaways. There's other, I think. It's an interesting place to start from to think of the, about the dynamics of, um, like, political influence and the way companies behave, and you know what, mm. like, if you're if you're in the media, how should you pressure YouTube? Like, mm. should just calling for more censorship actually help your cause? Right. Well, it's it's interesting. This is an interesting case study because. In some sense, this rabbit hole theory that got really popular and there was a moral panic around it, even though it probably wasn't true, it actually did probably play a major role in this algorithm change, right? Is that fair to say? I mean, is that your read of it? Yeah, I I think um, I think YouTube does react to popular media criticism because they're very aware, like they could be regulated Mm -hmm. and people could move away from YouTube if there was a competitive platform that had a better brand that was more safe. Mm -hmm. So they really don't want to piss off influential content creators, whether they're mainstream or like right-wing popular channels. They want to please both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're trying to, they're definitely reactive to what's happening. They're not consistent. They don't follow rules. They just, trying to do what they need to do to keep people not angry, like trying to calm them down. Right. It is just kind of 
extraordinary when you think about it because this rabbit hole theory, which posits that the YouTube algorithm has this deep, insidious political bias that is promoting radical right-wing viewpoints in society, this this theory, which was probably wrong, then influences YouTube to actually change the algorithm and to actually create a kind of political bias where these uh, kind of right-leaning uh, accounts get significantly cut out of views. So, I mean, th- this is like some... This is some like four dimensional chess going on here. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah uh, you you have to just imagine the people who are like the devotees of those like deep state conspiracy channels like imagine imagine you just like every night for months you log on to YouTube after a hard day's work um or a hard day of like video gaming or whatever these people do and uh you know you get your you get a beer, you get some popcorn and you just like listen to QAnon videos for like three hours before going to sleep. That's just your jam. You know, it makes you so happy. Really makes you interested in life and, you know, getting to the bottom of political reality. And then all of a sudden, one day in April, you get your beer and your popcorn and you sit down to watch your QAnon videos and you're just being inundated with Trevor Noah. (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine, just imagine. Well, that that happened, but it was Fox. They just got inundated with Fox. Right. It's kind of funny to think like five years ago, Fox News was the boogeyman. You know, Fox News was like the epitome of political media evil. If you're like an educated kind of like, you know, respectable citizen, Fox News was the low of the low. It was like the worst you could be in media. Just imagine like five years ago, if someone told you five years ago, like, oh, actually in five years, you're going to see Fox News as like very moderate weak tea, you know? (laughs) It just makes you wonder, like, what's coming next? Do you want to? Do you have any wild speculations, Mark, on what's coming next in like digital media culture? Where is this? Where is all this going? Um, I think getting more of the same. Like, I don't think this fragmentation and like the fact that you can now have visibility into more fringe views that you didn't have before—that's here to stay. Um, I don't. So that's a pretty that's a pretty lame take, but that's all I'm thinking right now. <laughs> Uh, I don't really have any big changes. That's good. You're, you know, you you stay close to the data. It's good. It means your um, your viewpoints I, are reliable. Go on. I don't see platform like something like a BitChute platforms mm. that are more like de- decentralized and are meant for people to be able to post whatever they want on them. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of the anyone that's expelled off these platforms will go there. Mm-hmm. And that might be worse. Like people come in and out of this. And if you get expelled and you're in a completely different ecosystem, you're in a much tighter bubble than you were before. So if you believe in the power of bubbles, I think um, doing that will might be worse in some ways, but probably mm-hmm. have less new people be exposed to them. But yeah. the adherents will be more like stuck in, in that mode. Yeah, that's a good point. Like if you are if you're genuinely worried about these fringe radical right wing ideas, you should actually want them on YouTube because it increases the probability that people watching it are also going to be exposed to Trevor Noah or whatever. Whereas, yeah, if you send all the crazy people to BitChute and the only place you can get crazy content is BitChute, then the people who go to BitChute, they're not getting exposed to anything other than crazy content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just another example like- of un- unintended consequences. It's like most most beliefs are inconsequential because 
people, there's nothing really how the acting in the inmate space that, that's actually impacted by these beliefs. So to some extent, you can just, um, you don't need to be so worried about it. But if you are worried about like violence or political influence, like no, if you actually, if you're just thinking about violence, you probably, it's probably worse isolating communities and making them feel more expelled. You're probably better off with more people believing in conspiracies, but less that get completely um, radicalized by it. Right. Right. It's kind of like if you think about the last, the El Paso shooter, uh, who was like an eight channer, you know, when that sort of thing kicks off, people get up in arms about eight chan, like, oh my gosh, eight chan is so bad. It, you know, generates all this violence. But then it's like, well, you were the ones who didn't want to let these people talk on YouTube. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you do have to, you know, the kind of irrational, just incessant, frantic kind of like moralism is arguably one of the real like underlying causes of this accelerating uh, nastiness and and potential for violence. It's you're right. It's not like particular beliefs. It's not like I'm going to articulate a set of positions in a YouTube video and then someone watching those positions is going to have a eureka moment and think, oh, I should do violence. <laughs> you know, you're you're totally right, Mark. Like that's not how people act. That's not the true model of of human behavior. Like we're not so the link between explicit kind of arguments and beliefs and behaviors is is far from that clear at all. Um, but in but actually when you have these kinds of large scale aggregate uh kind of hysteria dynamics, these like herd these herd dynamics, like that's actually the deep stuff that it's quite plausible does have some sort of unpredictable structural consequence on like rates of violence as a whole or something like that. That that's, you know, very I'm hand waving a lot here. That's not at all like demonstrable or anything like that. But um I would put my money on something like that much sooner than I would put my money on like particular pieces of fringe content kind of triggering particular acts of violence. Yeah, I agree. Well, Mark, this has been a good tour through your, through your research. Um, Are there any other kind of big, bigger picture issues that you think are really interesting or that you've given some thought to, or that your work has any kind of purchase on any, anything else you'd like to, Hash out. Um, just in terms of what I want Google to do is would be be transparent about the information. Mm-hmm. Like I know the like academia and journalism is hostile to them, which means they're acting particularly like every piece of communication that they do is PR. Everyone's on an need to know basis, even the creators. Mm-hmm. I wish there was some way for them to step down from that dynamic. Cause I think if they were more transparent, people might be less hostile. I see. Right. And do you have any current or future projects marked that you want to do some foreshadowing for, or let people know about? Like, are you, are, is this an, I believe this is an ongoing project, isn't it? You have a database set up and you're kind of always in the background monitoring the data. Is that right? That's right. Um, so the next step for me is trying to really look at radicalization. So I've, I'm categorizing all the channels in more detail, looking at the flow of recommendations to particular ideas or particular tribes of people to try and get at this a bit more. I'm also looking at the transcripts. Um, it'll probably end up just a better visualization, a better way to get a, a sense of what that channel talks about than 
any particular analysis. So I'll just keep writing articles and I'll keep improving that visualization. Cool. Cool. And um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else on, on my end, you and I have talked a bit uh, before in the past. And I think you're, you're quite open to people if they have interesting ideas or suggestions or proposals or hypotheses on any of this stuff. I, I believe you're quite open to hearing from other people who might have suggestions or might want to collaborate in some sort of way. Right. I think you're, you're quite, you're quite open. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone out there has any ideas on this or is doing related work or, you know, um, is in any way interested in, you know, understanding what's really going on with YouTube and, and yeah, trying to kind of figure out what's really going on beneath just what people say is going on and, and all the noise. Um, I'd say Mark is kind of becoming a kind of authority in this space. So yeah, if anyone out there is, has anything to share with Mark or uh, interesting ideas for collaboration or, you know, working with Mark or whatever. Uh, he's a nice guy and I've, I've talked to them for quite some time. So, uh, as he just said, he's open to being contacted. So there are links to your stuff in, in, in the description below Mark. So anyone who wants to reach out to Mark should be able to find him pretty easily through the, through the links in the show notes below. And, uh, other, other than that, um, this was fun. This is cool. This was definitely, I think for a lot of people, this will be kind of the most rigorous, introduction they've yet been able to find uh on what exactly the youtube algorithm is doing and yeah you debunked a lot of myths so thanks for coming on and thanks for for contributing all this mark awesome thanks for having me on all right dude we'll let you go now and i'll talk to you sometime soon i'm sure yep see you later all right see you dude hey everybody thanks for listening if you thought that was cool then don't forget to subscribe and it would be even cooler if you left a review i'd appreciate that and yeah just to learn more about what i'm up to you can check out theotherlifenow.com that's all and i will see you around the internet